Hey everybody, welcome to episode 3 of the Scriptures Revealed Podcast as we are journeying through the book of Ephesians and unlocking the mysteries and the riches and the wisdom that God has packed into that book for us. I am so excited about walking through this book with all of you. I hope you all are learning something. I hope you all are being encouraged about what we are learning in the Scriptures because it is exciting. Now, mind you, in episode one and two, we covered uh, a lot of introduction for the book. We covered uh, a lot of background about Paul's apostleship and, and how God called him. We also covered about the city of Ephesus and um, what was special about that city and what was going on in that city at the time that Paul began to plow and build and uh, mature and confirm and establish the church in Ephesus. We learned about idolatry in that city, witchcraft in that city, um, magic going on in the city, a lot of spiritual warfare. We learned spiritual warfare tactics that Paul used. So we learned a lot in the first two episodes and went and we learn that the book of Ephesians doesn't start in Ephesians chapter 1. It actually starts in Acts chapter 19. Or Acts uh, 8, uh, yeah, 19. Acts 19 is where we learned uh, that it starts because you got to get the backdrop behind it. So again, I'm not going to go through all of those things that we discussed uh, then. You can go back and listen to the uh, two previous episodes. Um, but now we're getting ready to embark on walking through this book and it is going to be exciting. Now, I want to give us uh, two uh, premises for some things. And then once I give you those two premises, we're going to open up the book of Ephesians and walk through it. What I want us to, uh, premise number one is this, is that I want us to not forget that the word of God, the scriptures are anointed. They are anointed. I know that sounds very simple and that sounds very elementary, but I want us to grab a hold of that and let that just resonate on the inside of us that the scriptures are anointed that the scriptures have an anointing there is an anointing available in the scriptures for us to begin to experience that anointing now the bible says in the book of isaiah and in the epistle of first john that the anointing teaches us but the anointing also removes burdens and it breaks yokes so if the scriptures are anointed that means every time i read a verse i read a passage i read a book i read a chapter i've got to realize and understand that there's an anointing available on that verse to break a yoke and to lift burdens. There's an anointing on that passage to break a yoke and to lift burdens. And so I want us to understand that we need to develop the type of relationship with our Bibles, a type of relationship with our word, with, with the scriptures of God. That I am reading that that will make you even excited about the scriptures and realizing that every time I read the word of God, I'm tapping into the anointing. I'm tapping into what do I see that I see it also in the uh, gospels when Jesus was in the house and he was teaching the Bible says he was teaching. And what was he doing? He obviously he was teaching the scriptures and the Bible says that four uh, men let down a, another a paralyzed man through the roof and he received healing because the Bible says that the power 
power of God was present to heal. Why was the power of God present? Because Jesus was teaching the scriptures. And when you teach the scriptures, an anointing is made is made available. Uh, some, the power of God is made available to break a yoke and to lift a burden. So we can take for an example. Let's we can look at Psalm twenty three, and we know uh, everybody knows that Psalm that says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In that one verse is an anointing to break the yoke of of independence, uh, uh, not not feeling like you can depend on God and can trust God. There's an anointing on that verse for you to be shepherded by God. There's an anointing on that verse for to break the yoke of lack off of you because the Bible says the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And what we've got to learn to do is that reading the Bible and meditating on the scriptures is not something that we add to our Christian to-do list. It is what we do to gain access to the anointing. If I want the anointing of healing, then I need to get in in the scriptures about healing. If I want the anointing to prosper, then I need to get in the scriptures about prosperity. We've got to understand that in the word of God is the anointing. How do I know that? Because who do we call Jesus? The Christ. He is Jesus Christ. And what is Jesus Christ? He was the Word made flesh. He was the Word made flesh. So the Word is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus the anointed one. The word is anointed. The word has an anointing and that anointing can break yokes and lift burdens off of you. So that's premise number one. I want us to understand that when we are reading the scriptures, we are gaining access to the power of God. Now, in light of that, our premise number two, I want us to be sure that we are reading the book of Ephesians with the right lens on, with the understanding Paul's and apostolic intent for the book. I want to understand that the book of Ephesians is like any other scripture, any other book in the Bible. There is an anointing on that book. But I want us to understand what that anointing is, what that anointing wants to accomplish, what yoke that anointing wants to break, and what burden that anointing wants to remove. So I want us to look at two passages of scripture, and then we're going to jump into Ephesians 1. So what I want us to do is go to Ephesians chapter 6, look at the end of the book. Ephesians 6, and we're going to look at the last two verses of the book. Ephesians 6, verses 23 and 24. It says, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 24 is what I want us to really look at. Grace be with you all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The emphasis that Paul ends the book of Ephesians with is loving the Lord Jesus Christ. With love incorruptible, loving the Lord. That is that is Paul's aim towards the church in Ephesus is is making sure that the basis, the foundation, the premise of everything that you learn, of everything that you do, of everything that you discover. You, I want you to know that the basis of it is loving the Lord Jesus Christ. How do I know that? We're gonna look also in the book of Revelation. Look at the look at the book of Revelation. I know that's the book we all like to stay away from. But the book of Revelation is wonderful. The book of Revelation, the very first verse also it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not a Actually, this is just free and extra. The book of Revelation is not about the revelation of the end times. It's not about a revelation of the end of the world. It's not about a revelation of the Antichrist. It's not about a revelation of doom. It is about a revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you read, so that that's this is just free. So even when you read Revelation, if you don't read it with the lens of I'm reading this book to gain revelation, insight, and unveiling a disclosure of Jesus Christ, you're going to miss the entire book. 
but that was free. So what I want us to look at, though, is chapter 2 in, in Revelation. And look at this, verse 4. Jesus himself, this is coming out of the mouth of Jesus in regards to the church in Ephesus. He says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. He said, you abandoned your first love. That's what I have against you. I know your works. I know your patience. I know that you've tested those who call themselves apostles and they're not. I know that you have great endurance and I know that you have not grown weary. But what I do have against you is that you have abandoned your first love and you need to repent and go back and do your first works. What was Jesus showing them? That in order for you all to thrive, you've got to have the basis The basis for everything has to be, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. And that is the goal or the aim of the book of Ephesians. Paul is writing to this church because he is trying to persuade a body of believers to make sure that the premise of everything you do is, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. Yes, Paul wants them to walk holy. He wants them to walk worthy of their vocation. He wants them to walk in their calling. He wants them to walk different than the Gentiles. He wants them to honor uh, their, the love their wives and for wives to honor and respect their husbands. Yes, he wants that. But he wants for the premise of all of that to be falling in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants to increase their love. And so as we read and study and meditate uh, through the book of Ephesians, we've got to realize that the aim of the book is Paul is on a quest for lovers of God. He's on a quest to persuade the heart to fall in love with Jesus, to make the premise of everything you do, Lord, I love you. So it is, why do I pray? Because I love the Lord. Why do I read my word? Because I love the Lord. Why do I fast? Because I love the Lord. Why do I love my wife? Because I love the Lord. Why do I, why does, why do I respect their husbands? Because they love the Lord. The loving the Lord has to be the basis for everything. And so as we read and study the book of Ephesians, I want us to see it through the eyes of the fact that everything Paul teaches us in this book is at the aim, the heart of it is he's trying to persuade a people to fall in love with a God who is filled to the brim with the love of God. And we're going to see the love of God show up numerous times in this book because that is the flashing neon sign that Paul is doing in the book. He's saying, I don't care. I know y'all can prophesy. I know you got gifts. I know you have faith. I know you're believers. But at the end of the day, I want the motivation for it all to be, Lord, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. That has to be the basis for it all. Alrighty? So those are my two prim- premises that I want us to understand as we endeavor to bar- embark to go through this book. Alright, so now we are ready to unlock the book of Ephesians. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And again, I'm using the English Standard Version as we are journeying through this, unless I ever say I'm using a different one. So I'm just using on the ESV for this. So Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to take these um, verses verse by verse because I want us to get everything that is in it. So look at verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Pause. I know you thought, well, there's nothing in that. Oh, it is loaded. Those first few words are loaded with revelation. Let's look at this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Now, I'm not going to do an extensive study right now on the office and the ministry of the apostle because we're going to hit it once we get over to Ephesians chapter 4. 
So I'm not going to stay there, but I do want us to have a a good handle on that term apostle. Uh, so for the lack of a better word, in order for us to understand it, everybody uh, that lives in the United States of America understands what a commissioner is. Every city has commissioners and an apostle is a commissioner. That is uh, one of the Greek terms for that word apostle is commissioner. So Paul, a commissioner of Christ Jesus. So Christ Jesus, I want us to understand revelation here in this, that if Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus, he represents Christ Jesus, then that means that being a Christian is not about being a part of, of religion. It's about being a part of a nation. And the nation is called Christ Jesus. I want y'all to hear me. That if Paul is an apostle, if he is a commissioner of Christ Jesus. Now, again, I'm going to throw things out there that I'm assure you I can back up with scriptures. And the more we journey through the book, the more we're going to see this unfold. So stay with me. Paul, an, an apostle, a commissioner of Christ Jesus. If Paul is an apostle of Christ Jesus, then that says that becoming a Christian is not about becoming just a part of a religion. It is about becoming a citizen of a nation, and the nation is called Christ Jesus. We are citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. We are citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ. How do you know that? If you go over to the book of First Peter, the Bible says that we are a holy, holy priesthood. Let's uh, let me read that to you. Uh, uh, look at that. First uh, Peter. Or is it, is it first Peter? Second Peter, I'm sorry. Second Peter, chapter two. I think it is. Well, I'm gonna find it. I'm going to find it for yeah, it is. It is first Peter. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. See, I'm finding this with y'all. It says, But you are a chosen race. A race. Mind so Christianity. Now mind you, we're still in Ephesians chapter one, verse one. I want us to remember that because the Bible says that Paul is an apostle of Jesus Christ. I want us to understand that if he is an apostle or a commissioner of Christ Jesus, then Christianity is bigger than a religion. It's about a nation. It's about a kingdom. It is about citizenship. So watch this. First, first Peter says, but you are a chosen race. You are a race of so Christianity is not just about a religion. It's about becoming a part of a new race. We're going to see, get more insight about that in the book of Ephesians. It's about becoming a part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Watch this. A holy nation. A holy nation. So Paul, by telling us that he's a, he is an apostle of Christ Jesus, is also telling us, hey guys, this thing is not about uh, Christianity being a new religion. This thing is not about there's something that's come along that has made uh, Judaism better. This is not something that has come along and to just add to the list of gods and religions that are out there. No, Paul is saying, I am an apostle of the nation of Christ Jesus. And you all are not just Christians. You all are not just a part of a religion. You are a part of a holy nation, a holy nation. Man, if we would start grabbing... Now, this is... I'm, what I'm doing right now is teaching the gospel. I'm teaching the gospel of the kingdom. We've got to... If we would wrap our minds around the reality and the fact that when we bought into Christianity, we were buying into a nation, we will understand that the commandments of God are not just something that he's trying to suggest to us. He's trying to relate to us the laws, the precepts, the ordinances, the statutes of his nation, 
We are part of a nation called Jesus Christ. The nation of Jesus Christ. Watch this. Uh, so, so, so he says this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's a commissioner in the nation of Christ Jesus. In other words. By the will of God. Now, another thing here about this is that in the Greek, that word by there is not the word by as we understand it. In the Greek, this is how this verse really reads. Paul, a commissioner of Christ Jesus through the instrument of the will of God. Now, listen to me. Here we gain another revelatory insight here that the will of God, Paul calls it an instrument because that word by means through the instrument of is what the actual Greek says. So Paul is saying through the instrument of the will of God, I became an apostle. Because Paul, if we learn in other uh, epistles that Paul was a Pharisee. Paul was a Jewish Pharisee. So how did Paul change from being a Pharisee under the law of Judaism to becoming an apostle and a part of the nation of Jesus Christ? The instrument that was used to change Paul was the will of God. My God, that is that is so magnificent. The instrument that was used to change Paul was the will of God. The will of God is not just something for us to see and not just for us to seek for to get God's stamp of approval about. But the will of God is a formative force. It is what it is the instrument God uses to change things, to form things, to transport things, and to a- express and demonstrate his rulership and his reign in the earth. It is it is heaven's instrument. The will of God is heaven's instrument. So if you want to know how do you go from being an alcoholic to a person that is sober? You gotta use God's instrument called His will. Because His will, watch this, the enemy has so made the will of God such a burdensome thing. First John talks about it. That we made it such a grievous thing and the will of God is almost like you just go down to bear nothing. When the will of God was never meant to be just about uh, what a list of do's and don'ts or uh, allowables and disallowables. But the will of God was always meant to be used as an instrument to change things, to form things. So God's will, if God wills for you to be holy, then that means that that will has the power in it to change you, to form holiness in you, to transport holiness from God's realm into our realm, to showcase the rulership of our God. The will of God is not just a letter because the letter kills. The will of God is an instrument. It is an instrument. Let God's will change you. Let God's will Form things in you that God has predestined before the foundation of the world. It is the will of God is an instrument. It is how heaven, it is what heaven uses to form or, or to create on earth what God has established in the heavens. That's why the Bible says when Jesus was teaching his uh, disciples how to pray, he said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was what was Jesus praying? Jesus was instructing them, you all need to pray that the same instrument God uses to create and form and rule in the heavens. You need to pray that he uses that instrument on the earth. He uses the instrument of his will to form, to create, to transport, to exude his rulership and his sovereignty in the earth. 
So if God gives you his will, he's not just giving you instructions. He's giving you the power necessary to cause the change. Man, isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? So that that is all through. What is that? Uh, six, seven, seven, uh, 11, 11 words here have unlocked to us that we are a part of a nation and that the will of God is heaven's instrument. It's heaven's formative instrument. How God forms things is he uses his will. How did look, look at the book of Genesis and then we're going to move on so that we can get through the next two verses. Look at the book of Genesis. When God said, let there be light. When God said, I want to, I want to create man in my own image. That was the will of God. God used his will to create man. God used his will to create light. God used his will to create visitation. So when God says, this is my will for you, he's not just telling you something. He's giving you the instrument that he's going to use to form it in you. Man, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. So watch this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, or through the instrument of the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So we're talking about the saints and the faithful in Christ Jesus. I want us to start looking at that, that every time we talk about in Christ Jesus, we're talking about in the nation of Jesus Christ. Do you get that? So you are in Christ means you are in the nation, the holy nation of Jesus Christ. That's going to help us better understand that every time you see that phrase in Christ, think we're talking about in the nation of Jesus Christ. So Paul identifies the group of believers here in Ephesus that to the saints who are in Ephesus. So Paul says this, when you buy into Christianity, you buy into becoming a saint. Every citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ is called a saint. Every human citizen, I should say, every human, you know, even uh, holy, because saints just means holy, holy ones. Even the angels are holy ones, holy ones to the saints who are in Ephesus. You are called to holiness. If you are a Christian, you are called to holiness. And you know what that word holy means in the Greek? Different. It means different. It means distinguished. It means distinct. It means you are different from the world. And like the nature of God. So the beautiful thing about being a part of the nation of Jesus Christ is that when you become a citizen of that nation, you are called to be different. And but you are empowered to look like the king of the nation. You are empowered to look like the king of the nation. That's why Jesus said, be ye holy as I am holy. Be ye perfect as I am perfect. That, we're going back to the will of God. He, when he reveals his will, he's also giving us the formative powers necessary to become that. To become that. He's given us the powers necessary to become that thing. So when we become a part of, of the citizens of the nation of Jesus Christ, he calls us to be saints or holy ones, different ones, distinguished ones, different from the world. So the world is one nation and then we are a part of another nation. So we should be different. And he says and to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful, because watch this, you will be faithful to what you believe. Your belief system will tell us what you are faithful to. And what you are not faithful to is not a faithfulness issue. It's a belief system issue. 
It's a belief system issue. If you're not faithful to your to your wife, it, faithfulness and loyalty is not the real issue. The issue is what you believe about your wife and what you believe about the institute of marriage and even what you believe about yourself. See, we've got to start addressing the, the root of the problem. So a lot of times what we do is we look at a bad tree and we see bad fruit and all we do is start picking the bad fruit off the tree when what we really need to do is knock the whole tree down, uproot it take it out of out of the ground because it's just a bad tree. And I'm telling you that when we look at a bad tree called unfaithfulness, when we look at a bad tree and we say, God, I just I have a problem being committed. I just I have a I have loyalty issues. I have faithfulness issues. As a matter of fact, and the prophets in the Old Testament says that faithlessness, being unfaithful, was something that you needed to be healed from. That that you needed to be healed from unfaithfulness. But watch this. I think it's uh, the prophet Jeremiah talks about it. But watch this. When you look at a bad tree called unfaithfulness, what you need to identify is that the root of it all is not a loyalty issue. It's what you believe. You need to address your belief system. And that is what Paul is doing in the book of Ephesians. He's trying to cause people to fall in love with the king of this nation that you are now a part of. But he's saying, I'm not going to deal with your disloyalties. I'm not going to deal with your faithlessness. I'm not going to deal with the fact that you're untrustworthy. I want to deal with the with what you believe. Ephesians is going to deal with what you believe about the king of this nation you are a part of. What you believe about the laws of this nation that you are a part of. What you believe about the citizens of this nation that you are a part of. What you believe about the government of this nation that you are a part of. All right. So that that's that. Let's look at verse two. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, interesting thing about this verse is that whenever you read an epistle from from Paul, you're always going to find that greeting. Grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see it in Romans. You see it in Colossians. You see it in Galatians. You see it in Thessalonians. You see it in Philippians. I mean, every letter that Paul wrote, you're going to see that greeting. But the interesting thing about that is that that greeting is very unique. And I'm going to tell you why. I remember I said that Paul was a Jew. He was born a Jew. He became a Pharisee. And that's, that's just, that was his family tree. He was a Jew. But his calling, his apostolic ministry was to the Gentiles. So Paul was a Jew and yet called to the Gentiles. And so Paul preached to Jews, but he also preached to Gentiles. And part of, part of Paul's apostolic message was preaching to the Jews and the Gentiles that when you become a part of the nation of Jesus Christ, you become one new man. And we're going to learn more about that in the book of Ephesians as well. But you become one new man. And how Paul constantly reminded them of this was by using this greeting, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Because in the Greek, when you look at the phrase grace to you, it, it is it. It is similar to the greeting that the Gentiles and the Greeks used. It was very simple. So if they greeted one another, it would sound something like grace to you. That's what it would sound like. But if you were a Jew uh, and you are the seed of Abraham, you know that a Jewish greeting was shalom or peace to you. Peace to you. Shalom. So what Paul was doing was in his greeting, he was combining a Greek greeting and a Jewish greeting and one greeting by reminding them, hey, hey, Gentile, this is for you. Hey, Jew, this is for you because we are all one new race in the nation of Jesus Christ. 
That's the beauty of it. Paul wasn't just saying grace to you and peace from God, our father, just because he wanted to fill space. He was saying it to remind them, hey, Jew, hey, Gentile, hey, Jew, hey, Greek. I want you all to know you are one new man in the holy nation of Jesus Christ. And this is how we greet one another. We're going to pull from your culture. We're going to pull from your culture and remind us that we are a part of a new culture, a new race, a holy nation. Now, let's look at verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ or blessed us. What I said about in Christ, it is blessed us in the nation of Jesus Christ blessed us in the nation of Jesus Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, guys, I'm about to just unload some things for you. Then I am out of time already. But look at this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the in Christ, which means in the nation of Jesus Christ, with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. This is the beauty of the, the splendor of being a part of the nation of Jesus Christ is that when you are part of that nation, you gain access to every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That means everything that heaven has, when you become a part of the nation of Jesus Christ, you now have access to it. So if there's no sickness in heaven, guess what? Healing belongs to you. As a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ, if in heaven they're walking on streets of gold, then then prosperity belongs to you. Prosperity belongs to you. Watch this. But prosperity, God is not just living in heaven lavishly for the sake of being lavish. He's living in heaven. Watch this. We see it in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. He's blessed to bless. He's blessed to bless. Prosperity is used not just to use it all on you. You're blessed to bless. You are blessed to bless, but that is a part of the benefits of being a part of the nation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, guys, again, I am out of time and we only got to verse three of this wonderful book of Ephesians. But I am excited about what we're going to learn and what Paul is going to teach us about the benefits. Now, what we're going to start tracking next week is going. Paul starts listing for us the benefits and the blessings that come with being a, a citizen in the nation of Jesus Christ. But I want us to understand that Paul just wants us to fall in love with Jesus. Let the basis, let the foundation, let the premise of everything you do for God be, Lord, I love you. You know why I love you, Lord? You know why I love you? Because you have made me a part of a holy nation, a chosen race of people. And in this nation, I have access to everything that is in heaven. Everything that is in heaven, I have access to by becoming a citizen of the nation of Jesus Christ. Well, guys, I hope this blessed you. Hope you'll go back and re-listen to it. Take notes. Ask questions. Hey, find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram. Throw questions out there you may have. Uh, it's just gonna, it's gonna be great. Every time we, um, end a book, uh, I think I'm gonna do a book. I may do it at the end of every chapter. Uh, I'm gonna be gathering your questions and answering those on an episode so that we can make sure that we're all on the same page and tracking together. I am excited about the book of Ephesians and what we are going to learn. So be sure to join me again right here next Friday at noon as we continue to journey through the book of Ephesians, as we continue this quest on on falling more in love with the Lord Jesus Christ 
because he and being excited about the fact that he has made us a part of a holy nation, a chosen race, and a warrior priesthood. I'll see you all next week. God bless.